Welcome to the Matrix Online Revisited Podcast. Before we start the episode in about 15 seconds, I wanted to let you know about a new Discord channel called Matrix University, brought to you by Neomatrixology of the popular YouTube channel. You can join in on the conversations of anything Matrix related, including upcoming projects with absolutely no spam. Check it out. I'll have a link for that in the description. This episode of the podcast was recorded on the 20th of April, 2022. During the conversation, we're constantly referring to the falling code reign of the Matrix. Follow me on Instagram, at VesuviusMXO, for clips of the podcast with a visual component. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matrix Online Revisited Podcast. I am Vesuvius, and today I have a special guest. I have Reddit user Res Mason who's going to talk to us about a project that he's been working on the last couple of years. And uh, it's related to the matrix code, the actual code of the matrix. So uh, Res Mason, um, why don't you say hello? Uh, happy to be here, Vesuvius. And thank you for joining. Uh, so, you know, uh, a, f- a few months back, you know, in the lead up to the matrix resurrections, you know, I saw you posting about like the matrix code. And I think the first thing that, that got my attention uh, was you posted that glyph that appears in the beginning of Revolutions. Like, it kind of looks like a Texas Longhorn. I know the one you're talking about, the the zoomed-out map of maybe Phantom Chicago or wherever the metropolis is. Yeah, and they actually used that for, like, the map model for the Matrix Online game. And um, you, you had posted some interesting things about the Matrix code, and uh, you know, which we'll get into shortly. But uh, that that was the thread that actually caught my attention, and then I started to look at to see like what you're doing. And I was like, oh, this this guy is like deep in into uh, you know the threads of of the actual code of the Matrix. <laughs> so, uh, can you tell me about this project and and tell the listeners about this project and what you've been working on? Sure. Well, um, you know, the, the, there's a sub 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 category of matrix fandom that, uh, focuses not entirely, but largely on the green code rain, uh, it has many different names. Um, the, I, I typically call it the matrix effect, uh, where classically in, in a kind of, um, approximation of rain dripping down a window pane, uh, code vertically scrolls from the top of the screen downwards, and then continually, uh, we see it in you know we see it throughout the throughout the series, the 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 movie franchise, and in almost every property, it's it's iconic. It's come to stand in for the Matrix franchise, much like for other movie franchises, they would uh, often show the the headshots of the of the starring roles the, the the actors and main characters and so on it's it's strange how distinct it is when you compare it with the representation of code in other action films and in other franchises um for whatever reason it captured people's imaginations and you know there's a very small number of folks who went on to try and reproduce this effect it, it it has screensaver written all over it, doesn't it? It's it's idle. You can enjoy it without doing anything. It is it is 
incomprehensible in some ways, but there is something a little hypnotic about it. And so there's a tradition of people who maybe know just a little bit of code to draw some characters on screen, or maybe they are graphics programmers or graphic designers or visual effects uh, amateurs who, you know, take their turn trying to repro this effect. And they, they maybe look at it a, a few times, either in the theaters or on DVD or later on in the video games, you know, on YouTube, and piece together just how it works until they're content with their reproduction. And then more often than not, they share it with the world because it's impressive inherently. And so there's a lot of iterations of fan-made matrix code projects. And that is uh, what, what mine is. Um, I, I tried to document it to kind of make it a little inclusive. Um, you know, the, the various parts of the project can be reused by other people. It is, it is licensed in such a way that you can take it and run with it, basically. Um, and, and in the lead up to the fourth installment in the franchise, there was plenty of reason to revisit this. As I'd first implemented this in maybe 2017, 2018, as the trailers and teasers came out, people started taking a close look at what was coming from the, the, the marketing campaign and, and this, this latest sequel. And that, that, that attention to detail that the community had invited me to take a closer look again at the work that I had already done and what would be required to kind of update it to reflect what is uh, in, in, in Resurrections and in its trailers and teasers. Yeah, so uh, you sent me a couple of links, and I went over it uh, a little bit last night, and... Uh, the, the one thing that I noticed was that the code characters that you that you have are very crisp. And, uh, you know, that's one thing that's been very difficult to, I guess, reproduce. So, um, you, you know, sure. the, the, now the, there's a there's like a, a font floating around. I think it's just called like Matrix underscore font. Are, are you familiar with the one I'm talking about? There have been a couple. I remember one that was hosted on DeviantArt for maybe 10 or 15 years that a lot of people relied on to kind of get into the ballpark of the the original glyphs. Other people would rely either on the Unicode support in their operating systems or in, you know, a, a kind of... Um, uh, un, uninformed smattering. And I don't, mean to, I don't mean to knock these people down a peg, but if you do not know how to read or write Japanese, as I don't. Um, but you recognize that the glyphs that we that we think of when we think of the Matrix effect um, have origins in, in the Japanese katakana. You can kind of fish for them and throw what you find on the screen. And, and maybe you accidentally pick up other scripts. Um, the, this is where you know a lot of these uh, fan-made projects uh, wind up. But for the people who have wanted to to capture whatever whatever aesthetic there is in the font itself, and there's quite a lot, um, as as you know, the the folks who um, have have spoken on behalf of the the efforts at Animal Logic um, in 1999 have have attested. Um, 
to, to recapture that, you know, somebody makes a font and it spreads like wildfire. Um, we, we are actually, it's, it's funny though, we're very lucky that the, the actual font almost entirely uh, leaked uh, coincidentally onto the web. And that's been kind of the backbone of my reproduction as of, uh, as of 2018. The, the crispness that you're talking about, uh, you know, when, when, when fancy text is displayed on a computer screen, you have some choices as to how. And back in the day, like in the, uh, in the official screensaver that was released uh, on the promotional website for the original film, the, the graphics options were a little limited. They would uh, either cut up an image that was itself rendered from Animal Logic and use those pieces of that image and move them around so it more or less approximates the effect. They did the best they could with the tools that they had. Um, you know, later on, people might uh, use Photoshop and try to make uh, glowing text in Photoshop and then cut that up into like a sprite sheet and use the different parts of their, their sprite sheet to, to represent different letters uh, glowing on the screen at different times. But when you do apply that glow, you're, there's a trade-off somewhere down the line because that texture has to represent visual information at a certain resolution. And when you're adding more and more things into that texture, it's responsible for the glowing, it's responsible for the crisp lines. It can only it can only do so much in the amount of disk space that it has, and in the width and height that it has, the bit depth that it has. Um, the version of the font that leaked is a vector graphics representation. In other words, it is it is crisp. It is infinitely crisp. It is a geometric font. It's like an actual font embedded in a flash file from the Path of Neo promotional page from 2007, which is still on the Internet Archive uh, as of today. Uh, do you remember Flash by any chance? I do, and I had uh, like a limited understanding of the workings of Flash, but um, yeah, I, I remember it was kind of like a website plugin, and it would show things like almost in like a video format. Yeah, throughout the years, the capabilities of Flash and the different tools available to people who used it to draw graphics expanded, but at, at its core, it was responsible for, uh, it, it had this very um, efficient uh, program that, that rendered uh, shapes, basically. What, what is a font but a, but a huge collection of shapes? And so uh, it's been possible to embed fonts almost verbatim. You know, when you, when you have a font file uh, on your computer and you want to make artwork with it, uh, you either go through the sorts of trade-offs that I was just discussing, where it gets rasterized, it gets turned into pixels, and those pixels can only be resized or um, or applied, you know, special effects to them uh, to such an extent, or you preserve these shapes. And Flash would allow you to embed a font into its files so that you could preserve those shapes. And as it so happens, whichever advertising company or, or you know uh, uh, website designing agency was responsible for creating the promotional page for the path of neo in 2007 well they used flash as everyone more or less did to to do interesting things in the browser at the time and in order to depict the matrix code they used a matrix font an actual one 
that is an asset somewhere that is used and reused by official, you know, um, uh, production teams on on these movies and on these other properties. Uh, that font made it into Flash, and as a software engineer who has a lot of experience in Flash, I was able to recover it, not verbatim, um, as as close as computers can provide. Um, I would say 80% of the glyphs were recovered, and I was able to reverse engineer the others, either by drawing them myself meticulously with other things as references, like um, like the textures that are in Enter the Matrix. Uh, there's there's a lot of official reference material out there, and um, I was happily able to recover um, the entirety of the glyph set, and that is now a font that's hosted on the project page. Okay, so uh, a couple of questions here. Um, firstly, I, I want to go back to Animal Logic just so that a- any listeners um, won't be wondering what it is and that's animal, right <laughs> animal logic is the original company that came up with the matrix code essentially yes uh a lot of people have heard this anecdote that's summed up as the matrix's sushi recipes what that actually entails is um simon whiteley at uh animal logic um designed uh this series of glyphs uh after iterating at least two dozen times, according to Lindsay Flier, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, um, before settling with the Wachowskis on the glyph set that wound up in the, uh, in the 1999 film. Uh, Animal Logic is headquartered in Australia. Uh, as you may recall, uh, The Matrix, the 99 film, was filmed in Sydney, and so I suppose it made sense, but also Animal Logic just has really good... You know, they're, they're very adept... Uh, special effects company, uh, and they are to this day. Um, the 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 glyphs that were chosen were referenced from a Japanese cookbook. I, I think Western readers often think, oh, a Japanese cookbook must be filled with sushi, but that isn't necessarily the case. One way or another, the katakana in uh, a cookbook, uh, I believe in Simon Whiteley's own home, uh, ended up being scanned in and uh, adjusted, right, uh, horizontally reflected, uh, modified in other ways, mixed in with some glyphs from the typeface Chicago, which uh, famously came with the classic Macintosh in the 80s, and maybe a nod to the Wachowskis' hometown. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but they fit in. Yeah, exactly. And they all look quite nice together. Um, it's it's actually it's also worth noting uh, before I before I segue actually I, I I think Animal Logic did a great job in creating something very texturally different to Western audiences compared to the other representations of code that Hollywood threw in our faces in the previous years. Um, you know, it would it would often be kind of garbled, but but never quite so artfully um, esoteric. Uh, but Regardless, it's it's worth noting that um, Japanese characters have historically been very difficult to represent and display on computers. And for katakana to be used to represent a language uh, spoken by machines or used by machines to um, to trick the human race at like a like a, at a latent you know 
uh, neural or, or mental level uh, is is an interesting take. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the precursors, the stylistic precursors to this effect that people uh, uh, you know assume are are inspiration uh, do not actually you know do not actually incorporate uh, any Japanese characters. Uh, at least none that I've found. And part of the reason why is it's, you know, the, the character encodings that are necessary for computers of the era we're talking about, the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, in order for non-ASCII characters, characters that aren't considered Latin or Roman or what have you, um, the, the CJK, the, the characters in written Chinese, written Korean, written Japanese, you would need to kind of jump through a bunch of uh, programming hoops in order for something like a web page to properly render with the characters that we take for granted as part of the font, part of the glyph set of the matrix effect. Um, it, it, and it's interesting that uh, Mojibake, this, the, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, this, um, this bug, this visual bug, when the character encoding uh, data, metadata on a web page uh, to display its Japanese characters is is stripped off by accident, and what's left are are you know indescribable, uh, indecipherable, garbled strings. That that is almost thematically associated with the matrix, the 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 the, the code rain, and it doesn't seem to have any presence or 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 influence on the effect, um, I- I- implying that. You know, there is there is a little bit of what do you, what do you call it? There's there is an I think it's called exoticization. I'm I'm using the wrong word. Um, is it like an interpretation? Yes, it's an it's an interpretation specifically of of people who might like uh, other cultures but are not native to them and accidentally caricature them. I, I I feel there's a little bit of that, and it's important to acknowledge. But there's a little bit of that in the Matrix effect. You know, there's an outsider's perspective of an appreciation for these glyphs that are so strange and so different. But in fact, there are millions of people using these to to write things all the time. You know, as far as the alphabet uh, in the original Matrix film, Part One, uh, I think you you came up with a certain number of of how many uh, characters were in that alphabet. And is this something that you got from that leak that you mentioned from Path of Neo? And how exactly did you ascertain that number? This is where it gets a little embarrassing. At some point, when I had better eyesight, I spent a very, very long time looking at the opening titles for The Matrix, uh, The Matrix uh, Reloaded, and The Matrix, um, Revol- the Matrix Revolutions. You-, you can tell that you're kind of in the ballpark when you sort of take a notepad and you draw all the ones that you see on the screen. And if you do that enough times, you, the number that you've found, the number of unique glyphs that you identify, um, stops growing. And it's around, I think it's 56 or 57, off the top of my head. I, I don't quite... Re- you know what? I do, have a, I do have a text file. One second. Glyph order... It's 57. Um, including um, the letter Z, uh, some punctuation and most of the arabic numerals and once you you know as you as you squint at these opening titles for long enough 
you not only discover what glyphs there are, but you notice that at least for Reloaded and Revolutions, the effect, who, whoever was in charge of producing the effect for the opening titles, uh, cycled through these glyphs in a specific order, which is great for guaranteeing that you've got them all, right? If you, if you see a glyph very early in the sequence, and it changes a few times and then it disappears, uh, then you can say, oh, I've, I've got all the ones in this sequence. And it's, it's only because I was very meticulously sure that I wasn't just fooling myself about this. But that was a, a very handy way to, to recover all 57, knowing that from start to end, you can kind of capture this entire sequence. So you token like you went like frame by frame and just studied each like quadrant of the, of the screen? Yep, basically. Um, now, one thing that helps is in the version in Reloaded and Revolutions, the glyphs only cycle when a glyph in the matrix uh, gets dark enough. So right before they disappear, they start to cycle faster and faster. Uh, the, the cycle speed seems to be pinned to their brightness. Uh, it, in, you know, the opposite, the, their, their dimness, I guess. Um, it's a part of the way that they disappear. And so you don't have to stare at the really bright ones. You just sort of watch the tail, so to speak, of every raindrop. And before long, it becomes apparent what this pattern is, um, because it's prevalent. It's, it's, it's pervasive. It's throughout this thing. Um, what's interesting, though, is it's not in the 1999 version. I looked over and over in the 1999 version, and there are no glyphs that are missing in... 99 that are present in Reloaded and Revolutions, or vice versa. Uh, you know, at some point you become familiar enough at these that you can you can spot the ones that are different. Um, and there and there are none in there. There are some in in other uh, renditions of the effect, though. And what's interesting about this glyph order is once you can recognize it, you can use it as a tool to make sense of what you know what teaser or trailer or or unreal uh you know video game experience you're looking at because that sequence just like the font is a part of the package of assets that different uh visual effects houses have kind of volleyed back and forth over the years to produce teasers trailers video games and movies that are part of the franchise um and so you know there are, there are teasers and trailers for resurrections that contain i would say 90 to 95% of this same sequence they have all the glyphs they changed some things around at the at the very end probably because um somebody made an aesthetic decision some of the glyphs at the very end were very similar like a plus and a times and maybe they thought let's mix things up let's throw these around a little bit which is fair um they certainly couldn't have expected that anyone would notice. Um, but it allows you to basically draw a line between the asset responsible for rendering uh, the Matrix effect for the opening titles of the early sequels and the promotional uh, visual effects that were used in the makings of the trailers and the teasers and also some of the videos that were downloadable from the promotional websites uh, towards the end of last year. Well, I, I have to think that they they knew some of their fans would catch on to this because, of as you know, 
the, you know, these movies are iconic and they do have a cult following. And it seems to be the more intelligent and uh, the, the more intelligent fan base. You know, I can't help but make that, that comparison to Star Wars and the Star Wars fandom. I feel like we're very similar. We have very epic uh, movies and movie series. But the Star Wars fandom seems to take a little bit more ownership for their uh, for, for their franchise and not always mm-hmm. happy with everything that they demand and get. As where Matrix fans seem to be welcoming a twist or something new and uh, will appreciate it whether they enjoy it or not. That's an interesting observation. I, it's, I wonder if that's because Star Wars kind of serves us with a with an expansive fictional universe that people can glom on, you know, series and series of books and and in whole encyclopedias and comics and all these other properties um because it's a whole galaxy and it's nowhere near us. So they can, you know, they can they can expand the canon to their heart's content and and you know, produce fan material that, you know, really takes it and runs with it. At the at the core of the Matrix is this notion that we are still on Earth. We have we have in some ways we have less than we've ever had before. Uh, you know, humanity's been dealt this critical blow and has been reduced and reduced and reduced. Um, and I mean, that's that's not all that the Matrix is. Obviously, uh, the way that the 1999 film kind of made people think about things that they had never thought about before. It is probably not something that is commonly argued for the Star Wars canon, uh, the the Star Wars franchise, and it may be that because we, because our expectations, as lofty as they are, similar to the Star Wars folks, because they are um, set by the nostalgia for a movie that turned us into armchair philosophers, like collectively, uh, when a movie comes out and it does something radically different, we accept it maybe because we know that this is the substrate from which interesting ideas and takeaways uh, arise. It, you, you can't separate them, right? If you have just a standard you know, uh, action movie where you know, nobody, you know, nobody, nobody questions their own reality, there's only so you know it can only go so far and we have we have experienced these these films taking us farther absolutely uh it, it's something that you know we, we i feel like there's like a big group think and everyone's just analyzing it and you know you get to take a piece from from everybody's philosophy or or their notes or in this case your your analysis of this visual code and of course the code i mean it represents so much more you know as as uh example by cypher where like you know he sees the blonde brunette and the redhead and neil at this point can only see the green characters and you know he's just kind of building and uh and learning about this code and of course we, we know what happens later where he's <laughs> He sees everything in code, and I think that that was the first shot where we, we could see um, people, you know, the, the agents and the hallway in that code, and it all flowed together. And it was, uh, and it's my favorite shot in the entire in the entire universe so far. It really uh, sticks with you, doesn't it? Oh yeah, incredible. I mean, everything f- f- from Keanu's 
acting to the slow motion to the music was it everything just just came together it was a perfect storm i I absolutely love that scene and that particular shot that particular effect you can thank animal logic's lindsay flea for for generating that um he he took uh simon whiteley's code and took a lot of the um the you know requested uh uh, attributes that the Wachowskis wanted, you know, the um, the it needed to look organic, it needed to look like dripping rain, and so on. Um, created a a two D, you know, a, a plane of this this effect, and um, essentially created a dark version, a, a medium version, and a bright version, and uh, mapped those by by performing a kind of uh, threshold. Uh, what's a better word? Um, basically the 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 dark middle and bright colors in that shot got mapped to these three different planes and for something for something so straightforward and remember this is 1999 i mean there were some incredible effects in the matrix all that camera work and the the the, the brilliant ideas that went into bullet time um for for that shot to stand out the way that it does it's a it's a it's um it's a mix of some very beautiful aesthetic choices uh, and some kind of straightforward techniques that just have a, a, a dramatic effect. Not to mention the, the composition of the shot, the three agents in the background, you know, the, the, the code on the, on the walls and ceiling and floor, you know, leading the eye there, the, mm-hmm. the guts of this dilapidated building spilling out and the code rain dripping off of it. Um, it's it's hard to uh i mean when when people when i i was going to create a poll before this this meeting uh on on the matrix subreddit but when you ask people you know what they think of when they think of the matrix unlike other action films where you might think of i mean obviously a lot of people will think of bullet time but like you and like me i think a lot of people think about that shot and what it meant and how it felt yeah, and when you, when you compare it to other uh, action movies, you, you know you had mentioned other codes before. Can you give me an example of of another code that you might be referring to, just so I can kind of compare and contrast? Um, let's see. There's, I'm trying to think of some examples. There are there are. Um, fortunately, YouTube is a trove of information and not necessarily uh, reliable, but. Um, <laughs> There have been um, compilations of hacking and programming scenes in movies of the 80s and 90s. Um, but if I had to pick a couple, um, I think Weird Science has some interesting examples of that. Uh, as these two kids are, you know, hacking into uh, supposedly like a government facility or something. Um, and what was that Val Kilmer movie where? Real geniuses, real genius. Yeah, they're 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 programming an EPROM, and I, I think it's quite realistic until they get to a point where a screensaver shows up, because at some point Hollywood <laughs> says, "Hey, you you've you've got to throw some zazz in there. You've got to you've got to make people interested in looking at a computer screen." Um, well, the Wachowskis showed that you can do both, right? Yeah, so I remember the one in Weird Science where like they're enlarging her her chest, like it, it, it's kind of like a three D wireframe. Oh, I wasn't thinking about that particular shot, but well, I don't know why that scene always sticks in my head. 
Um, I was thinking, and t to be clear, you know, there might be some timestamps that you can pull from some of these compilation videos that that are uh, are great examples of previous, um, you know, previous versions, uh, previous um, depictions of code telling a story. Um, but you know, the the one I was thinking of was um, it's it's almost as though by hacking they are they are wandering through tunnels that they are denied and granted access to because they're manipulating the the whatever permissions they uh they have um it's it it might not be the best example uh, perhaps afterwards i can i can isolate some things from these compilation videos and send them your way yeah cuz i want to do like a visual component of of this podcast episode like i'll release the the raw audio but i definitely want to do some kind of visual because you know, oh, yeah. I mean, it's essential. So, but yeah, I think uh, I'm just kind of browsing on my, on my phone while while you're describing it to me. So I'm, I think I'm finding some things, but uh, and you know, I'll I'll edit this little sidebar out. But <clears throat> uh, yeah, just to, for a little visual component, um, I think it'll be pretty cool. If I can provide some, so I if if um, let's see, if you're providing the raw audio, I wonder if it's a problem. So w William Gibson has a short story called Burning Chrome that has a lot of um, influence, almost like almost definitely his use of the word the Matrix, his his depictions of what happens there. I just don't want to uh, run aground on copyright infringement. But the passages that I have in mind are actually very short, and I can share them with you if you'd like. Yeah, I think if like if uh, if you were to read them or if I were to read them, that would be that that would be okay on YouTube. Okay. Well, in that case, um, I won't read every reference to the Matrix, but uh, the Matrix is an abstract representation of the relationships between data systems. Legitimate programmers jack into their employer's sector of the Matrix, etc. That might be the first um, the first instance of the term jack into the Matrix. Uh, also, it is described as an electronic consensus hallucination, which is very fitting. But this has nothing to actually do with the Matrix, uh, Matrix itself, but there is a description of something happening in this story that seems very in line with what ended up becoming the Matrix effect. It's, um, it's a description of a, a translation program. And I don't mean anything fancy. I mean... There is uh, Russian text that is being translated into English, and the way that um, it is written, it says uh, Cyrillic alphanumerics started reeling down the monitor, twisting themselves into English halfway down. It, it's difficult, yeah. It's it's difficult not to take from that, uh, you know, a a a sense that this is this is one of the early influences on on this effect the the hope that code can rain the 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 hope that it can that it can drip all over the whatever scene you're shooting dramatically and and have the 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 gravity of of a storm um that was from i think 1981 which is pretty far back and of course uh, you're not going to find i mean there are some films like i think there's one from romania called called medio uh, like meteor without an R, where some people have said that there's um, there's some footage of an old computer screen where somebody is programming something, 
I, I had a look at it a few months back because I really wanted to be sure about this. And, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder. It really is difficult subjectively to 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 determine whether it's, you know, whether something that came before this Matrix effect really is an inspiration. Although we do have the the anecdotes of these animal logic folks. Well, you know, I'll say it's it's one thing to to um, visualize it, and then there's another there's another thing to actually make it happen. So for animal logic to you know produce this and to the level that they have, and you know the how iconic it is now, it's you know they may go hand in hand, but I mean you got to give credit to the to the group that actually produces it. Absolutely. Although there is also something very noble about the fan reproductions as well. Um, you know, there, there, there is, uh, there's a scene called the, the demo scene uh, that involves people using computers with very limited capabilities to produce graphics that are inspiring. And the, the screensaver industry that hardly existed in the 80s um, grew on the backs in many ways of these, these demo scene contributors who ended up you know, maybe maybe their demo was was turned into a screensaver at some point. There are a lot of Linux screensavers uh, that 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 exist that are that are like this. Some of them are matrix screensavers, and uh, a couple of them, in fact, you can you can trace back to when they were first created and you know some of the earliest times that they were modified. Um, there are screensavers that you can run today that are that are considered you know somebody's attempt at a matrix screensaver. Uh, that that were written after the movie came out in theaters in 1999, but before it was available on VHS and DVD. Which means that either the people making these effects, these screensavers, these demos, for this, you know, reproducing this particular effect, they were either um, very confident in their in their ability to remember exactly how it was, which is fair because it really sticks with you. But in all likelihood. Part of the reason why some of these nerds went back to the theaters was because they wanted to uh, remind themselves what characteristics there are in this falling text. And to produce something, I'm talking months, months and months before the Matrix was available um, you know, for, for home viewing, uh, you were seeing screensavers that, were th- that then took off. People were like, oh, wow, th- this, this is what I wanted. Um, especially because, you know, while they did the best they could, the folks who created the official screensaver, um, who used Shockwave, kind of a flash precursor, uh, to, to produce it, well, that was the tool that they used for developing multimedia. They generally weren't programmers, they weren't, um, you know, graphics programmers, the, the kinds who make video games these days. Um, it was not their wheelhouse, and they did the best they could, but it, they, they didn't quite capture it. And I think... I think the drive to find or create a better reproduction, which leads to people making the attempt, right? Um, it, it, it leads a lot of people in this direction. It, it turns this into an exercise that a lot of people can be like, oh yeah, I tried that once. Um, what you learn when you do this is it's actually kind of hard to get just right. Um, the, the version in my project uses something called... Um, Science distance fields. It's a it's a common solution for graphics accelerated font rendering. 
to really get the 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 crispness of these glyphs because if if they blur even even slightly more than they ought to there's just something off about it there 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 seems to be a very a very particular recipe to this thing and maybe not everybody sees that and that's fine because if you um if you make something that you're content with and you're happy to share it with the world well that's fantastic that's fandom right um your podcast for example and and all of the things that people submit to the subreddit. It's beautiful when people put these things together and they share them with each other. Um, but, you know, be, because there is a pursuit for a slightly better this and a slightly better that, you know, maybe maybe the, the glyphs are wrong. One, one of the earliest attempts that I made was I took somebody else's screensaver and I changed the glyphs around using the DeviantArt font from the 2000s. And I emailed the guy and I said, "Hey, what do you think of this? I, I, I think it might be." And he's like, "Yeah, you know what? Sure. Let's 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 update it with this font." Um, that that's all it takes to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, a lot of folks, you know, use this as an exercise to learn programming in the first place. You, you can thank the Wachowskis for a lot of people learning to program because they wanted to create this thing from nothing. You know? Yeah, it, it's crazy that people would uh, make the code. Uh, and and the, the code range just from just from seeing it. I mean, creating the tools to do that, where there there are no tools, where you don't have them, uh, you know, either by memory or just by, you know, I don't know, scribbling them down and and doing the best you can. Maybe a bootleg copy or something, and, and just the time and effort to to put into that is it's got to be ridiculous. But this is the, this is the kind of fandom that the Matrix is kind of fostered. Yeah. And still does. Um, something that I hadn't touched on in the notes, I did. I did share some notes with you that I'm, you know, partly uh, referencing as we as we talk. There's there's something that I didn't include because the the notes predate the release of Resurrections. Um, if if you watch closely in Resurrections, uh, actually in in maybe the first teaser that hit Instagram, one of the earliest things that we hear from. Uh, the, the the newly introduced characters is Seek saying that this looks like old code. I don't know if you remember that. But oh yeah, it's an and and for that to be for for us to hear that when there is nothing. So so when when that is said, there is almost nothing on screen. Whether you're looking at the movie or you're looking at the teaser, um, it's an ins, it's like it's like somebody said, "Ready, set, go." It's like, hey, fans, um, you know. Whatever you whatever you think of when you think of the the Matrix glyphs and so on, be on the lookout because there's there's going to be some differences. <laughs> you know we're, we've we've updated the universe, but we've even we've even updated these little details. And sure enough, when you look at the code in, I hope people are okay with me talking about plot elements of of the resur- of the Resurrections film. If, if um, they're listening to anything with my name, then they're ready for spoilers. Fantastic. Um, the the modal, as they call it, not my favorite word, but let's move on. The the, the modal that uh, Neo created to kind of train the 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 Morpheus Smith program, who you know, uh, who then escaped with um, with with Bugs's help. The the code that drives that modal is old code. It uses the old glyphs. More or less, um, at some point, again, probably for aesthetic reasons, um, the the old code has two of its glyphs removed. 
and actually they're removed from the new code as well. There's two glyphs from the original font that don't make um, a, a, an appearance throughout Resurrections. Uh, at, yet they're in the promotional material. So, you know, whatever production house was responsible for producing the effects of the movie, somebody at some point said, hey, this glyph and this glyph, let's retire them. They've, they've, they've served their purpose, let's move on. Um, like the keymaker. Before you, before you go on, you mentioned a sequence earlier. Is it possible that they just haven't shown up in that sequence or were they not where they should have been? That's a good... I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I'd forgotten to mention. That sequence only occurs, as, as, as far as I can tell, it only occurs in the uh, reloaded opening titles, the Revolution's opening titles, and wherever those effects are used throughout the, the original trilogy. Um, mm -hmm. And the promotional material for uh, Resurrections. And it, it, I, I can't remember whether the glyph sequence is intact in Unreal's um, Matrix Awakens. I, I think they made some changes. I don't remember if they preserved the glyph order. They probably didn't, um, because they're just an entirely different organization, uh, as closely tied to the Wachowskis as they are. Um, but the, the glyph order is nowhere, as far as I can tell, in Resurrections. Which is fine, right? And at some point, they must have thought, well, you know, we, we don't need... I mean, you know, it's, it's arguably simpler to create an effect that cycles through this sequence than to create an effect that randomly chooses one. But at this point, it's, you know, it's, it's the 2020s. We have what it takes to randomly choose a glyph. And so they may have retired the effect, right, the ingredient... Um, that relied on that glyph order to keep things fresh, because they can just show any old glyph in the sequence, and it's it's no big deal. And so, you know, that, that's that's interesting though. It means that the asset that was used to produce the reload and revolutions effect uh, was not uh, was not preserved and modified to produce anything within Resurrections. They 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 have taken you know some other set of you know, they've they've preserved the font, but you know they also have relinquished some of these older things, which is fair because if this was made in, for example, After Effects, well, Adobe After Effects has gone through several iterations since the original trilogy. So at some point, while it maybe made sense to use those old assets for you know promotional material, they just outgrew it in the actual you know modern VFX houses. Um, but also, just as they removed, you know, these these two glyphs, but otherwise preserved the the old code in places where the old code was present, the new glyphs that they added, which uh, a lot of people have probably identified, like there is something slightly texturally different um, with with the matrix code as it is represented on seek the operator's screens, which he can tap, which is a very you know, there's some very interesting effects in there. Um, and also in, in places where uh, the glyphs appear as an effect uh, inside the matrix uh, itself, it's, it's slightly different. And sure enough, there are new glyphs. In fact, there's probably upwards of 100% more glyphs uh, than there previously were, which is a, a, a bit of an assignment. It's, a, it's a, quite a bit of homework for somebody who wants to reproduce this effect now. Um, to go in and, and remember, you know, there's there's no archived website from 2007 that has the new glyphs in uh, a forgotten flash file. Um, 
fortunately, other side projects familiarized me with the ability, you know, with 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 some strategies for recovering um, glyphs. Fortunately, the matrix glyphs occupy a a a an orthogonal grid. You know, there are rows and columns, and nothing is nothing is out of place. Um, now, you know, there there's sometimes a depth effect. Um, but generally speaking, if you've got matrix code in 2D as maybe an ingredient of a more complicated effect, or just on a an LCD screen, right next to next to Link or Tank, um, it's it's in a grid, and you can cut any frame of that grid into that grid and create images from every single glyph in a kind of automatic process. And so again, while my eyesight's not as good as it used to be, I was able to sort these out and find these glyphs, try to find them in Unicode. They are not just katakana. They are across the board. There are all sorts of different glyphs. Although, generally speaking, they're not in the Latin set. They're not ASCII. Um, but a lot of work went into retrieving them and so on. But getting back to the actual movie, we, so we've got about 50 or 60 maybe 70 new glyphs alongside the old ones in this more, you know, this more contemporary matrix. Um, and as a, perhaps as a kind of reward, the matrix effect in the, in the age of IO um, has a golden glint indicative of the way that the, the, the power of Neo and Trinity and the one is used to drive the simulation now that they've been reattached to it. Their whatever power they have is is an essential element to the you know the the electronic throughput of this of this new matrix. And interestingly, those those golden details which will flicker independently, right? Even if even if a glyph is is dim and in the background of the effect, um, you might see this golden glint on it. Um, it is limited to these new glyphs, which is a detail that not a lot of people can appreciate because they don't know to look for it. Yeah, that's something I haven't noticed. Yeah, to your point, there there are these little details that the Wachowskis will 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 include as part of their storytelling that are rewards for a fandom that is attentive and seeks out, you know, and and this is also part of like the 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 notion maybe inherited by the Wachowskis from um from uh the esoteric um what's it called i'm i'm blanking there are belief systems that uh are arguably aligned with some of the themes of the matrix franchise involving the the association of divinity and knowledge and how you know the the matrix being this world pulled over our eyes this this obscuring esoteric thing to to try the way that neo did to find meaning in it right in that important moment in the original film to finally make sense of this obscure you know uh uh signal that we all that we all live in this this world that hides its meaning from us it's kind of nice that in resurrections if we try to do that in some form we're rewarded right by this by this tiny little additional bit of storytelling so what do you think that the gold code and the gold tint uh mean like what's that visual 
the, that uh, that color code represent to you? Ah, so so there are different gold tints. The the one in the original trilogy, I believe, is representative of an earlier version of the Matrix. So, um, you know, when when Neo first meets uh, Seraph, Seraph is uh, is is golden, and and there there is some logic to the way that the glyphs that comprise him. Uh, animate that is different from the world around him. That's not the case for the Oracle when we see the um, the, the the Smith virus infiltrate the Oracle in Revolutions. Uh, she is green through and through. She is bright green. She is violently green, like the mm-hmm. the, the glyphs are in a flurry as she is absorbed by 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 the Smith virus. But you know she is she is she is indigenous to the Matrix of that time, whereas Seraph seems to be an artifact of an older time. The, the the golden glints that I'm referencing from Resurrections, I think, are indicative of the presence of the One having been, you know, reattached, of, of Neo and Trinity being reattached and, and subtly driving this new nefarious regime. And yeah, it seems kind of weird that a golden glint would be nefarious, but it's it's because Neo and Trinity are there. It's because whatever they found when they awoke and they awoke again, right? Whatever whatever difficult to contextualize superpowers and and forces um they tapped into at the end of the original trilogy, whatever that was is back and you know the analyst is making bank right the the machine world is is leveraging this enormously and their presence is threaded through whatever this new stuff is so while there are still old parts of the matrix these these original glyphs are not affected right the 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 statements not the statements but the the um the expressions that those glyphs were used for uh, in the classic Matrix, those expressions still exist. There are new glyphs to expand on that vocabulary, perhaps. There are, there are new glyphs because there are new systems of control. Um, but the new ones are leaning on Neo and Trinity as a source of power. And I think that's what this represents. Um, it's It's open to interpretation, and please i i am happy to to you know to accept uh other people's theories and you know this this one doesn't really carry much weight with me it's just it's just my own interpretation for the time being um but but you know it's it's interesting how it's limited to these new glyphs and it's interesting how even when the glyphs brighten and dim as the as the rain pours down as it always has um this this glimmer continues in the background um it would be interesting one day to you know hopefully get some behind the scenes information about the people who produced these more recent effects for that and for other reasons you know yeah and if if we haven't gotten it yet like on the on the dvd which um i haven't combed through it yet too finely but uh, if it's not there, then I might pursue it because this this stuff I find it really really interesting. So now the, these new glyphs, you said that there's about what fifty to seventy new ones. Um, can you tell us about these? Yes, give me one second because I wasn't 
quite ready to go through them, but I do have them handy. Part of identifying them is categorizing them by their original scripts. And What does that mean, categorizing them by their original scripts? So just like Japanese katakana were used for um, the majority of the original glyphs, uh, there, there, are, there are scripts in Unicode that are absolutely the sources of the, um, of the glyphs that we see in Resurrections, the new ones. Here we are. Okay, so um, yeah, of, of those glyphs, so you'll see, um, so now we're looking at the same image, I've got it up. Um, the top row contains a bunch of uh, modified Arabic numerals, as we call them, that are... Technical difficulties. Originally showing us glyphs that we might not see in our day-to-day. Um, you know, you'll, you'll see some punctuation on the second row. Uh, then you start to see uh, the leftover katakana in rows uh, three, four, and the original, you know, the, the first few glyphs of row five. These are, these are Simon Whiteley's modifications of actual Japanese characters. They are horizontally flipped. You know, some parts of them have been changed around a little bit, and, you know, a lot of horizontal bars have been added to them in places. Um, but then you start to see some shapes that you might not be able to identify, and don't, you know, to, to, to my eyes, as somebody who is generally only familiar with Latin characters, these don't look Japanese to me, and it turns out that they aren't. They are part of a script that I believe is pronounced as Bugenese or Buganese. It's a real script. There are people who write words with this somewhere on this planet. And let's let's for a second, let's you know, this is this is meaningful. By expanding the the glyphs that are, you know, that are not typical to Western audiences, to also include scripts that are not typical to perhaps Japanese audiences and audiences of you know no matter who you are on Earth, you probably won't recognize some of these glyphs. So it's become kind of a more inclusive glyph set, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's, it's a nice shout-out. If somebody does know how to read and write Buganese, uh, you know, here's, here's some glyphs that you're familiar with. Uh, there's some glyphs that are, again, like some OCR glyphs or, you know, punctuation things. Um, oh, I, I don't actually have the name of these. Yeah, I don't have all of the names of all of the scripts, but I was able to identify a bunch of these based on where they are in Unicode. Um, there are some, for example, in the fourth to last row, there's a bunch of glyphs that I believe are either Tibetan or are Fagspa, or Thai. I- I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> um, again, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not well-versed in every single uh, alphabet or, or abjad or you know um, Abu Gida that the that the world has, um, but these are definitely real glyphs that somebody is or was using uh, on Earth. And then as we get to the bottom, we get, we we reach glyphs that I just simply couldn't recognize, including some that do look like if you look at the the second to last row and the third to last row, it looks kind of like somebody has placed a circle on top of what might be katakana from the original glyph set. It might be that these are glyphs that um, Simon Whiteley had as leftovers of the, um, the katakana that were produced for the 1999 glyph set. Um, 
but you know there are it's not the right word but there are things like diacritics there there are graphical modifiers that the japanese katakana system uses to um to differentiate between two glyphs that would otherwise be the same and these might be those mm-hmm. but i'm only speculating the the fact is aside from what's in the top two rows i don't know what any of these sound like when you voice them i don't know you know where they come from um and there's something beautiful about that especially because it is no longer solely you know using japanese katakana to represent esotericism it's become it's become a, a little more multicultural although you know perhaps they could have thrown some some uh some latin alphabet stuff in there just so that um we are included as esoteric to somebody somewhere you know but that's just my take and our two characters on the bottom right that are separated are those the two that were retired yep those are those two glyphs it, i realize that i'm i'm spending a lot of time describing something that y- your your listeners you know they may open this in a in a tab or something they might they might see this as as a preview image or something um but we are describing a picture, and I'm sorry about that. Um, at the very bottom right of this picture are two katakana from the original glyph set that don't make an appearance in Resurrections anymore. Um, and, you know, one of them does look similar to one of the new glyphs, and it might just have been further modified. I'm not sure. Um, perhaps somebody had something to say about the way that these glyphs were represented. But then all the other glyphs are intact. So it's it's difficult to say why they were removed. My theory is somebody made an aesthetic choice. But that's just me. The, the attention to detail uh, that you have consistently displayed over, over the years is absolutely astounding. And, uh, <laughs> you know, for, for me to, like, stumble upon this was... I don't I, I just felt like I hit gold. I'm like... <laughs> Finally, like somebody has answers to, you know, questions that I might not even have yet. But, um, you know, I've done a little bit of like graphic work uh, and tried to like recreate these. And uh, and then, you know, I went out and I found the font and I was like, oh, well, this is much easier. (laughs) But then, then, you know, I wanted to modify it a, a little bit further. I wanted I wanted to look at the code and modify the characters so that they look more like letters so that. You know, at a glance, it'll look like code, but if you look at it, you'll be able to read a word. You know, like like some some characters look like a G, others look look like an F or an A. So piecing those together, or even creating new ones, just just for this purpose. But uh, you know, and and then to learn about all these new characters, and you came out with this before Resurrections was uh, released. You know, so just in those promotional and and the the teaser trailers and and the trailers, you came up with these very odd looking, <laughs> almost <laughs> almost shocking. You know, it's something very different. You know, you know, as where the glyphs towards the top, you know, underneath the numbers, they look very a little more uh, familiar, right? Like a little more on the nose, almost like like blocks. You know, like. There's some where the width will will vary and it'll come to a point, but then you have these new characters and some of them just look like a magic marker was like you know swiveled <laughs> as where everything else looks very precise. You know, I I I must admit. So because this is a first draft, 
And I am not a typographer, although I wish I was sometimes, and I highly value the skill set of the people who are. Um, I, I wish that one way or another, we, you know, someday we recover a texture that contains all of the new glyphs or a font. I mean, Flash is gone. The likelihood that somebody is going to embed uh, this font into a website is very, very slim. But it's there's still a chance that these glyphs in a in a very useful format may appear by accident or on purpose someday in some you know matrix property. And I would really love that because I can tell you right now, you know, you make something like this, you spend you know a few hours on it. You walk away, and then like months pass, and you look at it again, and it's like, oh, how did I consider this to be acceptable? But it's you know it's, it's the best that I could do, and you know I can I can see some imperfections. Chances are a lot of people can. I'll tell you who definitely can: the people who use these scripts. Right? Somebody out there might be like, oh no 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 no. First of all, that's not Tibetan. That's not Thai. This is that's X Y Z, and and this is how you make it right. And it's like fantastic. I'll, I'll include that in the next version. I would love to iterate on this. It's just that because of the nature of this thing, we would have to cooperate with people who are who are probably not native English speakers, right? Or don't know English. They might not know Japanese. They might not know. You know any of the efigs languages, the 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 common languages that um, are used to localize, uh, you know, movies and, and media for for European audiences. Um, it it would it would be a monumental effort of just simple collaboration to get this to look right. Um, and so for now, like this is this is like we have set up Basecamp, and one day this will hopefully evolve to become a better set that that feels a little bit more perhaps a little bit more um consistent throughout you you can tell that you know the the glyphs that Simon Whiteley produced that ended up in the 1999 versions he made a very strong effort to keep them consistent Th- that effort is is perhaps perhaps they didn't prioritize it uh, the same way, right? Maybe they wanted things to be a little bit different, to be a little more, you know, a little more varied. Uh, I can understand that as an aesthetic decision. Um, but no matter what, you know, some nights I go to sleep thinking, there is a font that exists. There's a folder where this thing sits to this day, awaiting the video game or the movie or you know the commercial right like agent smith was used um you know was was used to to advertise like ge hospital beds or something uh in the 90s and 2000s these could end up anywhere um but wherever they end up as long as it is as long as you know the the folks working on visual effects are given these initial resources that file's going to be circulating and one day it might just you know it might just wind up in somebody's dreamcatcher and they pluck it from there and turn it into a turn it into you know the the next iteration of this image. I also want to point out though um th- this is this is something that people would love to take their own spin on right the 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 shapes of the glyphs that fall it's fun to play with them uh part of my project after creating what I hoped was like a faithful reproduction of what was in the movies. I expanded it to allow for other glyph sets. Um, and you may see those elsewhere. And like, um, uh, 
podcast listeners may want to experiment with these other these other modes that I introduced into it. Um, you know, if you if you link to the project, uh, but but there are other there are other glyph sets that I included, kind of as a nod to the fact that uh, the Merovingian and um, the 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 architect um, have discussed older versions of the Matrix in the original trilogy, and I thought wouldn't it be fun and interesting to kind of create um, versions of this effect that are more Merovingian or you know that are that are more seraphic more more angelic uh more idyllic um and one way or another i ended up with a bunch of alternate glyph sets i'm i'm not a fan of every single one of them but if people have uh glyph sets that they like um you know the the project can grow in that form uh and they can they can customize to their heart's content although it is a little complicated because of the signed distance field stuff but um you know, time and time again, somebody might leave a question on the project page, and I am happy to address and facilitate, uh, you know, people's people's inquiries into making this a little bit more of their own. Um, it's it's easy to adjust the colors. It's easy to adjust a bunch of the properties that drive this effect. Um, there is a 3D version. There is a holographic 3D version. If you have the hardware, you know, it's it's very versatile because just like the Resurrections glyph set has expanded. Uh, I, I take some joy in, in making this thing conceptually larger than where it started in, in the films. Um, and, and so it's got a couple goals, right? It's it, the, the goal of making it a faithful reproduction, but also the goal of giving people a matrix that is their own. Yeah, so I went through your GitHub page last night and I went through all of your um, your types of matrix uh, code. The raw compute texture, uh, I appreciate the ep epilepsy warning on that. Uh, <laughs> it took a few hours to get out of my head. I only watched it for about five seconds. <laughs> but <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, wonderful, wonderful. I mean, it looks really good it leading up to to resurrections one thing that bothered me so much you know we were getting all these articles from all of these internet publications about you know the matrix resurrections coming out and very few of them used good code so i really appreciate good matrix code <laughs> so <laughs> I, I made a meme about it uh I'll, I'll put it in the i'll put it in the discord for you if you're able to view it but I made, yeah, sure. I made this, and it just it just <laughs> hits right <laughs> where Drake is appalled by the uh, you know just the numbers zero to nine, and yeah. very satisfied by the matrix code that I screenshotted right off the the opening the opening uh, scrawl from part one. But yeah, I, I uh, really appreciate the, this project. It it just feels so good to see that somebody else is like interested in this kind of detail. Yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was either this or learn how to, uh, how to fight like, uh, like Neo and Trinity, which, you know, this, this seems to be uh, a little bit more feasible personally. <laughs> so a couple of more questions. I'll jump around a little bit and then we'll wrap up. Um, the code glyph that appeared in the beginning of, uh, revolutions and was the the map okay yeah mm -hmm. um 
does that appear anywhere else? Because it's not it's not on your graph that we looked at a little while ago. I would love to tell you, because you're a fan and you're really mm-hmm. interested in this, I would love to tell you that it shows up anywhere else. Sadly, I haven't found that glyph any place except for the opening titles of Revolutions. So what does it mean? I wasn't ready for that question. Um, what, what does it mean? I think of all the representations of this effect, including Resurrections, I think that the Revolution's opening titles are the most thought-provoking. Right? Mm-hmm. It starts with an explosion that looks like the Big Bang. It is yes. a golden hue. It is, it, is, it is a fractal spiral containing spirals containing spirals. And then it just folds into the matrix that we became familiar with at the end of the original film and throughout the, the, the reloaded uh, film, where you know the, the world is code rain and we have this opportunity to see it the way that Neo sees it. And then we zoom out, which may be a hint about what it all means. We zoom out and we see that it all takes this form, the form approximating a glyph. And just like that, it's gone. Maybe this means that the meaning is the, the meaning of reality. I was going to use the word creation. I don't know if folks like that word. I would use it sparingly, personally. Um, you know what? Let's use it in this case, because the, the machines created the matrix. The, the, the meaning imbued in creation is, is, is multi... What's the term? It, it goes on and on and on. There, there, are, there are layers almost atomically small. And for, for someone to comprehend it the way that Neo comprehends it, it at, at, the end of, um, at the end of the original film is, is momentous. But by the time he has transformed, you know, in, in, um, in the way that he has at the end of Reloaded and at the beginning of Revolutions, there, there is something more inherent there is something beyond the war, beyond the conflicts between man and machine. There is something so so intricate about the the relationship between uh, knowledge and understanding, and finding meaning and and obscuring it that that goes beyond all of this. I think that's that's kind of what the the fractal at the beginning represents. And then when it zooms out to a glyph, it is this suggestion that, you know, when, when we think we have, we have sought something, again, this is all just off the seat of my pants, um, you know, interpretation. When, when you think you comprehend something uh, fully, um, even that is just like the, the beginning of a, of a deeper dive, that, that even these simple glyphs contain multitudes and multitudes and multitudes that that's that's kind of where i end up going when i try to interpret that that scene um you know the this 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 digital smoke screen of glyphs that rain down um we know that there is hidden meaning behind it that is that is the theme of every conversation about it in the in the franchise but in that moment, we are told that not only is there meaning behind it that we can find, but like we don't even realize the sheer magnitude of how deep the rabbit hole goes. It's not just a conspiracy that you know that AI has has produced. It is it is something deeper about the connection between you know who we are and what we know. Well said. Well said. 
Yeah, I, I have theories about about that particular that particular glyph and uh you know we never see it so there's really no pattern to establish but uh, it, uh it'll be a mystery it'll be a mystery we could also we could also look through unicode for it if you would like regardless no matter what it means if you would like um i would be happy to add it it would be pretty straightforward in fact to add it as as an additional mode and that could be called um uh well, the Vesuvius mode, if you're if you're feeling up for it, but also it could be called um, what do they call it? Is it called Megacity? I, I've forgotten the the, the in-universe name of the city in the original trilogy. Yeah, uh, in the original trilogy, it's just referred to as the city. Um, Megacity was kind of popularized, in my experience, to the Matrix Online game. Everybody just called it the Megacity. Well, I can I can certainly use actually I can give it both names. That's the way that the project works, um, so that if you like, it can it can make an appearance. Yeah, I I would appreciate that. I, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's been a mystery, you know. It's almost as much as as the Sati character, you know, which mm. we saw again, but we really don't get very much more to her purpose. So I I wonder if those things are are linked somehow. They they may be linked in the saddest way. I, I hate to be a, a downer, but I do wonder if, you know, there there are parts of the original trilogy and parts of Resurrections uh, that would shed a light on things that people still wonder about, but wound up on the cutting room floor, either because they were edited out for, you know, editorial reasons, or maybe because if we knew them, we would know just a little bit too much. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's, there's that... There's that um that paradox where, you know, this is a mystery. It's very interesting. But then when you're told the answer, when you're told the information, you're, you're just, well, that doesn't quite hit the right way. So I'll just, uh, I'll dismiss that. It's almost dismissing the truth in favor of mystery. I don't like a JJ Abrams. No offense to JJ. You know what? <laughs> he calls, he calls himself bad robot. He's a bad robot. Um, you know, it's like it's like in a Star Wars sequel where you know it goes, um, uh, who, "Who's her mom? Who's her dad?" Uh, oh, it's Palpatine, right? Like, sorry for spoiling, but like that's such a that's such a contemporary Hollywood like shortcut to to intrigue. Maybe they thought it's fan service or something, but you know, I, I I'd be hard pressed to find fan service. Like true fan service in Resurrections, the 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 kind of joking parody at the beginning is is couched in cynicism and and self critical, you know, um, you know maybe maybe the Merovingians reappearance can be interpreted as fan service, but even that is used to make a statement. But you know, oh, Benedict Cumberbatch's con in the Star Trek, you know, Kelvin timeline. Oh, you know, her 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 dad's Palpatine or she's Palpatine or whatever. There there is something there is something that you know, whatever you think about Resurrec- Resurrections, it does seem as though the film has managed to avoid what seem to be some kind of lazy writing pitfalls. Oh, you know what? You you went out of your way to invite me as a guest, and I could have been I could have been humble and honored, and suddenly I had to use those magic words 
that any movie fan just I said lazy writing. We we all know it it takes a lot of effort to write a film. But regardless, it is still as a movie go, it is disappointing for a modern film to kind of to kind of resort to these things. And I do think that, you know, the the Matrix franchise has has still managed to avoid that by and large, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, agreed. Uh that's one of the arguments I use for the Matrix within a matrix uh, i feel like that would be like oh yeah and then they woke up and it was all a dream it's like no they created this whole um cycle of the one and this this reloading of the matrix to avoid just saying oh yeah he has he has powers in the real world because that that's a matrix too so uh it, it's it's like it's like we should as moviegoers it's an invitation to to maybe be okay with something remaining unresolved and open to interpretation, it's it's um it's a it's a mo- it's a mode of respect. When when a writer does this to a to a film, they're kind of saying, "Okay, thank you for watching. I'm not going to tie up everything because I want to leave you with a parting gift of what if, right?" Yes, I was uh, leading up to Resurrections. I, I would read. You know, a couple of times here and there, like we're finally going to get a movie that's going to tie up all the loose ends. And I would but, just, I would just sit at my computer and just shake my head, like they, they're going to, they're only, not only going to not answer all of the the questions left over from revolutions, but they're going to pose so many more contradictory questions. And that's one of the very few things I was, I was right about. And uh, as as Matrix fans, you know, we kind of got to roll with that punch. Yeah, it's it's like um, I, I I will say this the the resurrections plot and you know the our, our first impressions of it and any any rewatch because those are all it's always like slightly different when you when you watch it a second time or a third time these are moments where we get to evaluate what it is that makes us fans of this and it it it's it's helpful to to have these moments. You know, it. You know, what drew us was it was it Hollywood hype? In in your case and mine, I think the answer is no. We were looking for something deeper, but were we were we looking for you know a philosophical invitation to something that would that would transform our 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 you know our perspective of things forever? Well, you know, maybe that's not something that a franchise can do every single movie of the of this of the sequels. Um, what is it exactly? And I think Resurrections has, has helped me focus what it is that I like about certain kinds of speculative fiction. Um, because they are, the, you know, by and large, they are, they are there. And maybe they haven't made it into uh, a lot of other recent speculative fiction. Well, I think it's it's creeping in. It's just it's hard to it's hard to nail down. And the the Matrix really was a perfect storm of, you know, style and and philosophy and and you know action, to where and maybe timing. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, which is which is another reason why, you know, number four in the installment cannot live up to part one. Uh, yeah, it's it's very large shoes to fill, but. Um, 
technical difficulties. Very noble and provoking and uh, maybe emotionally prodding installment series. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That, you know, if you asked a movie-going public in 1999 what kind of film The Matrix was the first time they saw it, you know, they wouldn't have the vernacular to say, oh, this was, like, philosophically intriguing. They would have said, this is an action film, but whoa, there was more to it than that. The the film that came out, you know, the Resurrections is is not quite an action film because the the the, the categories that we have and the expectations that we have have shifted and it's 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 refreshing to to be able to do that with a franchise all right i i think we'll we'll leave it at that well yeah. said I, I appreciate you uh coming on and going so in depth on uh something that maybe half our audience will will only notice in passing but to the untrained eye, uh, but to, maybe to the slightly more awakened uh, fan base that I think you and I belong to, we're very intrigued with the level of detail and, and production value put into this effect. And what you're doing is is so cool. <laughs> it's just so darn cool. And I appreciate it very much. Tell us where our listeners can find you and follow your pro- your, your project. Well, the project is linked in a few places. The easiest one to get to is uh, the projects page at resmason.net. Um, uh, as you know how to spell my internet handle, uh, the the link is is uh, pretty straightforward to 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 include. Hopefully, um, you know the the matrix code and other projects are are accessible from there. Um, you know, and also I encourage anyone who is interested in the Matrix Code as like a a fandom thing. Um, websites like GitHub will allow you to search for Matrix Code Rain, and and Google will allow you to do this. And it's it's incredible what kinds of projects will turn up and what you'll find. And I encourage you to do that as well because there's a lot of creative people. Um, you know, and the this fandom has a lot of people who you know drawing and programming might not be their their forte and they try it out anyway and they make something really interesting um and that's what it all comes down to i'm i'm really happy to share this with this fun and engaged community and i'm i'm happy to spend this time with you as well yeah i i appreciate it uh do we do we find you on uh i know uh reddit but are you on any other social medias um, I'm angry on some of them, but I, I, I would recommend if if you wish to reach out, uh, Reddit may be your best bet. I think that just about wraps it up. This was fun. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, thank you very much, and uh, appreciate you coming on. And there you have it, Red Pills. Reddit user Res Mason and his Matrix Code Project. For more, follow me on Instagram, at VesuviusMXO. I do daily Matrix content there. There are some links in my profile for my other social medias and some Matrix merchandise, including my MILF Trinity collection, which would be perfect for Mother's Day. All right, Red Pills, I hope you enjoyed. I am Vesuvius, shutting down.